Hey everybody! Welcome to Tara and Andrew vs. the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. This is the 33rd in our 3,726 part series, wherein we choose a video... <laughs> a video film. A video film at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Watch it, do a little research, tell you what we thought, and what interesting facts we learned. Yeah, and as always, our podcast has one cardinal rule, which is that uh, the movie that we select is one that we are honor-bound to watch, unless it is a movie that we've already seen, or there's a couple of exceptions that we may need to invoke, but uh, for the most part, we are gonna have to watch whatever it is that we pick. Boy, are we. In our last installment, we were introduced to a delightful space turtle named Gamera in the, you know, most famous Gamera flick, Space Monster Gamera. I was already familiar with the Gamera oeuvre, so... Ah, we all are. Yeah. You don't have to try and be a snob about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that uh, the, the finest Gamera film was the 1964... No. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yep, so it, it was a movie that we saw with... With... With monsters and, of, and monsters. space women and a lot of organ playing. What what you look for in a space turtle movie. In our last episode, it was Andrew's turn to select a movie. So I guess that makes it my turn. This yes. Time. So I'll start flipping through the book. You just let me know when to stop. Stop. Okay. And... Okay, you got one. You have selected Magnificent Obsession from 1954. So, the story concerns a careless auto accident caused by Rock Hudson's character. He inadvertently inadvertently kills a man and blind, blinds the man's wife. <laughs> Suddenly... <laughs> um, what, does he throw acid on her? Uh, <laughs> we'll find out. Suddenly, this unabashed hedonist develops a change in character and goes so far as to become a doctor with the hope of one day being able to restore the woman's sight. One might conclude that this medical pursuit is the magnificent obsession. But according to Otto Kruger, playing a friend to the protagonist, most of this newfound inspiration is actually generated from a man 2,000 years ago who died on a tree. What? 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 Uh, okay. So, that's... Like... Bizarre Re premise. Religious? I don't know where tones. I don't know. We. I guess we will find out. That's who oh boy. Really weird. Um, <laughs> that is definitely not how I expected uh, <laughs> the synopsis to end. Right up to the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Otto Kruger says it's because a man died on a tree. All right. Um, Very hmm. good. So the goodest, you might say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess we will be back after this musical interlude with our thoughts on Magnificent Obsession. Okay. <laughs> so, Magnificent Obsession. Woo! 
Yeah. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a good start with this. <laughs> um, we watched it, and uh, just let's just do the rating, our five-point yeah. rating scale. Going from least good to most good. To goodestest. Goodestest is uh, don't watch. Maybe don't watch. Eh, maybe watch, and then don't not watch. And uh, do you have a, a rating in mind? Absolutely. Okay. On the count of three. One, two, three. Maybe uh, don't watch. It's I feel like the workmanship of it makes it more of an eh. That's fair. The story is ridiculous, as you all will well, find out very quickly. There were a couple really funny parts. Yeah. Maybe unintentionally funny. Yeah. That, yes. Uh, yes. That almost put it up into a higher echelon for me. That with the, you know, it, it's a competently made film, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, it made it Rock Hudson. Made Rock Hudson the star that he was. Um, you know, so that's worth something if, for all you Rocketeers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what are what what are the fan clubs Rock Hudson called these days? <laughs> these days, all the all the kids these days yeah. who uh, are into Rock Hudson. Put that on the list of workshop. Right <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, so I didn't like the movie exactly. Like I thought the story was very dumb. Oh uh, yeah, it was a super dumb story. But it was well made. Yeah, its dumbness was uh, enrobed in quality filmmaking. <laughs> Like a fine, like the fine chocolate in an M and M is encased in its delicious candy shell. Like like a beautiful cashmere sweater being stored in a drawer full of mothballs. <laughs> Check that one off the Phew. list. That's not enough for me to give it anything above a maybe don't watch. Yeah, that, that's fine. It, that is your it is your right to have a differing opinion. Than yeah, mine. And, and boy do I. Boy do you. Boy do I. It's so, so vastly different. different. Should we just get into the, the ridiculous ass plot? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do this shit. So the the movie opens with uh, Rock Hudson's character driving a speedboat on a lake and uh, 180 miles an hour. Yeah, apparently. he's being judged by these guys that are on the shore. Like, oh, he's going so fast. He's going like 150, no, 180 miles an hour. And it's like, no, he's he's not. I don't know that they had any boats in 1953 that could go 100. Do they now have boats that can go 180 miles? I mean, I think there probably were boats that could go that fast back then, but it, looking at the film, he's definitely not going to fucking 180 <laughs> miles an hour. Boats, top speed. Yeah. Live fact checking. <laughs> oh, a million miles an hour, wow. Ooh, the fastest boat speed record ever was 317.6 miles per hour. Okay. Shit. So. 1978. Um, okay, so. And it's not been broken since. 18 miles per hour. <laughs> they only had paddle boats back then. This is a science fiction movie. Okay. Ran at a speed in excess of 51 miles per hour. <laughs> Top engineered classic speedboats huh. is what that was from. Okay. Very important information. Anyway, he's driving a speedboat very quickly, perhaps uh, at uh, speeds being overestimated by some dudes on the shore. And he, he flips it and... They rush out to rescue him, and they have to go get the resuscitator from um, Dr. Phillips' house, who uh, who runs the hospital. They go and get the resuscitator, and they, they bring him back to life. And then 
at that same time, Dr. Phillips, back at his house, is having a heart attack, and he dies because they don't have the resuscitator there. What is a resuscitator, uh, anyways? It's something that helps you breathe when you're unconscious. Okay. So, I also call bullshit on that, that a resuscitator would have helped anybody with a heart attack. It's, uh, it seems Since generally, it's not, you're, you're not dying from a heart attack because you can't breathe. Yeah. So, no. okay. <laughs> two, two seconds into the movie, we've already... Debunked too. If it's a critical <laughs> pop points. Um, anyway, so Doctor Phillips dies because he doesn't have the the resuscitator, and his new wife and his adult daughter are driving back to the house as this is happening all at the same time, and they get there and they find out oh he's he's died, and then like his daughter. They, they find out in an awful way too. It's like they get there and the guy doesn't even say like he's dead they're like oh this terrible incident happened and then like he, he's like he's in the bedroom and they have to go in and see his corpse yeah like that's how they find out he's dead yeah like here you just came back from buying stuff for this anniversary party your you six throw month anniversary because you've not been married for six months to anybody before yeah that's that's what <laughs> that's what helen his, his wife says as they're going back i've never been buried married to, i've never been buried <laughs> for six months before uh, also a true statement yeah um so they're having a six month anniversary which is you know that that marriage is definitely not doomed for me in six months that's, <laughs> whew, that, that's a big threshold that yep. marriages have to have to get past anyhow anyhow so he he's dead they go and find him in the bed in dead. the bedroom yeah he's dead <laughs> And then they seem to get over it pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. She's pretty much like, oh, oh no. And then she like, I'm just going to calmly go walk out into the yard now. Yeah. And look at the lake. And and Bob Merrick is sent to the hospital. So he's, he's in the hospital and he's pissing and moaning about being locked up in the hospital. I've got so much shit to take care of, you guys. I'm so busy. What's the big deal? Why is everybody in the I hospital so okay. sad? And, yeah, uh, why is everybody so glum? And they tell him, oh, it's because Dr. Phillips died. Like, he didn't have the resuscitator that he needed. I think that's when he realizes that that's why yeah, he's alive. I, yeah, so finally he, he realizes that him needing to use the resuscitator is why Dr. Phillips died. So he feels, he feels bad about this, but not enough to like briefly. Yeah, he briefly feels pretty bad about it, and so he decides to break out of the hospital. Plus, he's also got shit to do. Yeah. So Bob Merrick escapes from the hospital. He's running, and then he runs in front of a car. Um, he doesn't realize it, but it's being driven by Helen Phillips, Doctor Phillips's widow. They start talking. Yeah, she... And like, whatever, and then he realizes she's the widow. Yeah. It, without without divulging who he is, she finds out that he's she's the widow. And he decides, like, no, I can't let you help me. And he goes to run away, and he faints. So she drives him to the hospital, and that's when she finds out who he is. And she's really upset with him, obviously. So she refuses to talk to him from that point on. At the same time, so she's in the office at the hospital, and there's, like, a parade of people going in, offering condolences, and she finds out that her husband had been secretly loaning a bunch of money 
to people who needed it and refusing to let them pay the loans back. And so all these people are trying to pay back the money to Helen and her take on it is, well, if my husband wouldn't accept it, then I'm going to respect his wishes and I'm not going to accept the money. I'm going to respect my husband's wishes and you keep this money. Go do something nice for yourself with it. So it goes on like that. Several people come, try to give her money. She refuses. Eventually, her lawyer comes to talk with her and informs her that there is no money in the estate and uh, essentially all these loans that he's done, even though he was a very successful surgeon, they have very little money. They'll be lucky to cover the funeral costs and all of that. And they'll be left with the house, but that's about it. No, no cash. And then to top it all off, the hospital is barely hanging on by a thread at this point and now they've lost their top surgeon. So there's a good chance that the hospital's gonna be closed. Enter Bob Merrick. Yeah, so at this point he goes and he meets with Helen and he feels really bad. Uncharacteristically feels bad about what had happened. So he tries to write a $25,000 check to pay for... I mean, his chair didn't cost $25,000, I'm sure. No, but so he's just like, here, I want you to have this money. Yeah. I feel bad. And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, okay, never mind. Then. Like, immediately, immediately doesn't, doesn't try to convince folds her. Folds the check and puts he's it in his like, pocket. Yeah, one chance. <laughs> yeah. No, no backsies on that. Like, <laughs> you said no. You're, I'm holding you to that. Uh, so. <laughs> it's like, did you really want to give her any money at no, all, dude? No, no. That's just for show. We then see him, like, partying with some people in a bar or whatever. And he takes off drunk super drunk like he crashes into a sign like a road closed sign or something and it just so happens to be right in front of the house of one of dr phillips's closest friends who takes him in for the night so he wakes up the next morning uh, recovering from being super drunk and he's talking to this friend of of dr phillips uh randolph edward randolph is his name randolph fills him in on the philosophy yeah the philosophy that uh, dr phillips was conducting his life by which is basically to be philanthropic to do good but not like broadcast the fact that you're doing good just to, to do it for the sake of doing it and pass it on to other people and so he tells bob merrick this and he's like it's an obsession and once you start doing it you can't stop it's just going to be a magnificent obsession for the rest of your life where it's that right effect. right um, it's a powerful thing so think carefully if you ever decide to do it like it's some mystical it's like the secret for uh, yeah. 1954. And so Bob Merrick takes this to heart and he decides that he is going to try to live his life by those guidelines going forward. And so he goes uh, down to the club and he starts talking to the waiter there and he's like, oh, you look glum. What's going on? And the waiter tells him that his wife had a miscarriage. It's like, whoa, that's uh, just maybe yeah. something you don't immediately just tell. You don't just like your... start with that. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's... Uh... Okay, it's not ready for something that heavy, but uh, uh, thanks for sharing. And and so Bob Merrick is like, oh, uh, how much how much do you guys need to cover the costs for all that? And he's like, $300, and he just gives it to him. Yeah, he's just like, like, oh, $300 would uh, about do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So he gives it to the other guy without a second thought. And then he sees Helen. She's, she's there, and he goes and kind of runs up to her, and he's trying to talk to her and to make up for it. And she just wants no part of it like doesn't want anything to do with them and he's just like being super persistent following her into her car just like no let me do this and cannot take a hint that she's not interested in his attempts to whatever he's trying to do preparations yeah so 
Yeah, he's he's pushing his way into her car and pushing closer and closer to her. So her only option at that point is to try and get out of the car or deal with him. And she's like, I'm having none of this man. Opens the car door and hops out and immediately is struck by another car. Yeah. Great job, Bob Merrick. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Uh, so the accident is not deadly. However, as a result, Helen is now blind. So very cool. So poor Helen. The one thing I have to say, though, is she was way more upset about going blind than she seemed to be about her husband's death. Yeah, just... She's just like, oh, no, he's dead. I guess I'm okay. Yeah. And then the blindness, she could not get over that basically the entirety of the the rest of the movie. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Helen is, you know, she's trying to get used to life now as a, a widowed blind woman. And Bob Merrick... Can't leave Wallet alone. Can't leave her alone. He's obsessed with her. Not magnificently. No, just regular. Um, just regular, regular, kind of regular gross obsession. So, in full stalker, um, taking a note out of the stalker playbook, he decides to fake an identity and go hang out with her while she's hanging out on a beach. So, like, every day he goes and hangs out with her and this little girl randomly. Like, I don't know who that little girl was. But they would just, like, hang out and read comics to her and whatever and have a grand old time. And so Helen doesn't know. She thinks he's this guy, a young medical student named Robbie Robinson, which is definitely not, like, number three in the list of immediately made-up names. (laughs) It's like that, uh, just (laughs) Joey Jojo Shabadeau. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so he's befriending her. What probably would have been her against her. Would have been against her will, I'm sure. She yeah. would not have entered into this friendship. So she's now in this friendship with him under false pretenses. And in the meantime, he's like using his money, because he's a rich guy. Using his money, he's like, oh, I, there's got to be some surgeons who can help her. And you consider to Zurich, and he lists all these doctors that are outside of the U.S. that he thinks can, can help her. And so he's like, oh, I'll buy her house and I'll pay more for it than the asking price and then we'll arrange this uh, trip to to Europe for her so she can get this treatment. So he does this and unknowingly Helen goes along with everything. The daughter sees him and realizes that Robbie Robinson is Bob Merrick and she does not approve Um, but she doesn't spill the beans for some reason. I mean I guess he is footing the bill to... Well yeah he's footing the bill. So she puts up with it. Well, she still does not like him. So Helen and her stepdaughter and Nancy, who is like... House nurse? Nurse. Who's a nurse that used to work at the hospital. The three of them all go off to Switzerland for this potential operation that could help restore Helen's eyesight. So Helen's saying her goodbyes to Robbie. Very sad to leave him. And she's like, oh, how ironic is it that I've always wanted to go to Europe, and the first time I go, I won't even be able to see it. Cool. The movie is just, like, full of melodramatic yeah. stuff like this. It's uh, just, like, the entire script. Yeah. Um, and so she goes to Europe, to, to Switzerland, and she meets with the surgeons, and they really don't seem to think that there is much chance of her getting her eyesight back. Like, she has, like, a little bit of progress, but it's not consistent, and so they're kind of just, like, trying to not make her lose all hope, but it it seems pretty hopeless. Yeah. He shows up 
Um, so Merrick decides to go to Switzerland just to check in and see how everything's do- going. And it happens to be the day that Helen is told that there is that they can't operate on her, that it, it wouldn't make any sense. So she's really upset. But hey, here's Robbie. Um, so they go out and they have like this really nice evening and she admits that she's now suddenly realized that Robbie Robinson is actually Bob Merrick. So she's she's in on the whole thing and and so Tara and I were having a bet, like, because this was maybe an oh my God, hour, yeah. ten minutes into the movie or something. Like, well, she's going to be pissed when she finds out that Robbie Robinson is actually Bob Merrick. And I'm, I'm like, no, she already said that she doesn't blame him for her being blind, which she totally should have. Like, he was being, like, a overbearing dickhead to her and, like, forced her to kind of rush out of the car. So it was definitely his fault that she's blind. Right. Like... More so than it is, I think, his fault that her husband had died. Yeah. Like, more overtly his yeah. fault. Yeah, like, he was in control of that situation. Yeah. Um, Instead of just being a dickhead before. Yeah, and and so we're like, no, she's she's not going to be mad at him. She's going to welcome him with open arms. And you you thought that she was going to be pissed. I was, I was very certain she was going to be pissed but it would eventually come around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, it's that like, was kind obviously of they were going to be in love. Because this, yeah, it's the movie is so predictable. You. So this was the kind of shit we were trying to like. <laughs> to, to figure out how to spice up the, uh, the movie watching experience. We're just watching. God, this movie is dragging on. There's no way we're going to spend another half hour watching a movie and she's not pissed at him, and then they end up coming back together. Well, we were kind of both right in a way. Except Andrew was correct about the fact that she was not angry. So she wasn't angry, and then Bob Merrick proposes. Huh, weird. It, there's another half hour of this movie left. Yeah. Oh, it's it's done. They're getting married. Nope, because Helen realizes that she would be a burden on him being blind and all, and decides that she's going to secret herself away. So she and Nancy flee in the night. And then Bob Merrick with no direction in life he decides to go back to medical school to become a neurosurgeon which apparently he started and then just like dropped out of for yeah. some reason just right yeah he goes and meets back up with the doctor that he'd been studying under and he agrees kind of begrudgingly to take merrick back under his wing and so a year a couple of years oh many years because he was gray-haired oh uh, that's yeah that's true and he finished school yeah yeah and it was like a surgeon yeah just one year. He's, he's very advanced. He's a, he's a, a prodigy. So he becomes a surgeon, and he is still. So he's still trying to find her, but has had no luck. And he continues secretly helping people, just as Doctor Phillips had done. Yeah. So he's trying to live up to Phillips's legacy. And Edward Randolph. Uh, Dr. Phillips's friend shows back up and he, he tells Merrick that uh, they finally figured out where, where Helen is. She's in New Mexico. She's like super, super sick. And so Merrick flies out and he's like, I, I guess I have to try to do the surgery to, to heal her, to fix her. And the, the hospital or whatever it is that she's staying in in New Mexico has saloon doors, which is... Yeah! Fucking, like, <laughs> um... Sure, you're in the Old West, but... <laughs> really like yeah which just weird but i mean was there like an adult video section back in there too because that's (laughs) so 
<laughs> yeah, what was with that? Like every yeah. video store yeah, in like the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, the saloon doors to the porn yeah. area. Uh, video stores. Video stores. Not scarecrow. No. Nope. You can just walk right in. We're gonna kids section just go. <laughs> it is pretty close to the anime section. It is, yeah. Huh. Huh. <laughs> we'll edit this part huh. out. <laughs> Sorry, Scarecrow. Um, so, of course, he does the surgery. He fixes her. The end, basically. Basically, that's it. That's, oh, wait, no, and she's not blind. And she's not, yeah, she's, she's yeah, not sick, and she is getting Not sick, back. and she sees, and the first thing she sees is him. Of course. Uh, oh, isn't it romantic? Yeah, no, uh, not really. Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of rushed through to the end there, but, like, believe me, we're doing you a service by rushing through to the end, because yeah. it was, like, an hour and 45 minutes of garbage, drawn-out, ridiculous. <laughs> Let's say garbage. Not but... garbage. Yeah. <sighs> I was wavering between uh, maybe don't watch and eh. Uh, I think each of us choosing one of the two covers it. Balances out, yeah. yeah. It's not a bad movie it's just not our kind of movie yeah i did not enjoy it very much it was just so far-fetched and unbelievable like yeah. the way bob merrick just like that he changes his entire personality yeah that does not happen unless you're you go on a magical journey with three ghosts he didn't get scrooged he did not get scrooged he was no alistair simmons scrooge so the, the director of the movie, uh, Douglas Sirk, is somebody that kind of became known for making really melodramatic movies, and, and not necessarily melodramatic in a pejorative way. It's something that people kind of appreciated his movies for, but when I was kind of reading up on, on him and about this movie, people were like, yeah, uh, Magnificent Obsession kind of goes way overboard with the melodrama and the coincidences and just all of the things that happen fortuitously. Yeah. In the movie. So, like, even people that like what Douglas Sirk was going for were still kind of have to, like, qualify. Distance themselves yeah, from it a little. When, they, when they're talking about this movie, which I thought was kind of telling. Well, the movie was kind of a remake of a movie from 1935, which in itself was based on a book that was written back in, I think, 1929 by uh, Lloyd C. Douglas, who was a minister and who kind of turned to writing fiction to try to get his philosophy, so to speak, out there. And so the, the book was pretty critically looked upon disfavorably. It was not considered to be a great book. In fact, when Douglas Sirk was making this movie, he's like, yeah, I tried to try to read the book, but uh, I, I just I couldn't. It's the most confused book you can imagine. And uh, the, the film critic that was kind of going over the, the, the book and the movies for the Criterion release of, of this version of the movie was talking about the book, and he's like, it's kind of an all-but-unreadable proto-new-age hodgepodge of mystical self-help advice smothered in some of the most turgid prose imaginable. Yeah. Uh, so why they thought that that was going to be something worthy of turning into a movie, I mean, the message, I guess, is good. Yeah, I don't really, I can't really fault the message of the movie. I'm all for people being philanthropic and, and helping people and you know if something happens in your life you know maybe you're not doing some good stuff with your life and then you have a change of heart that's all good nothing wrong with that but just oh my god 
Yeah. One thing that I, I see a lot when we watch older movies, movies were not very subtle for a long no. time. No, Like, they, they spoon-fed everything to the audience. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, well, maybe some of that's a holdover from the silent film days when actors had to really, really overly emote since they couldn't speak. But I don't know. Like, I wonder what caused it. Or if it was just, like, stylistically what people yeah. enjoyed at the time. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. But that, that might be related to silent movies. It's... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It was just, like, a thought I had. <clears throat> but I'd be curious to try and find out more about why that is. That's not to say that every movie now is subtle, but there's <laughs> a lot more nuance in most, yeah. most movies than yeah. you would find. That's kind of a thought that I had when I was watching it too. Is like yeah. there's no nuance in any of this. It's all just flat out. What you see is what you get. Yeah. No room for no no subtlety or having to sort of like suss things out or connect the dots yourself or any of that or yeah. room for interpretation. Yeah, you know what? Fuck this movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't watch. Maybe don't watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to, I was, I was being generous, but yeah, I mean. I'm sorry. No, I wasn't trying. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not trying to convince that, you. I'm not saying that Magnificent Obsession is especially bad at this, like not having nuance. It was just something that you see in movies from this era. Yeah, and it, it wasn't like that that made me kind of decide okay. to change my brain. It's just like as we're talking through it, it just kind of thinking Cemented. about it more. Yeah, yeah. saying it out loud kind of made me reevaluate. So... This movie was pretty much Rock Hudson's first starring role. He'd been in, like, B-movies up until this point, And this was, like, really the one that put him out in the public eye and made him a star. But because of that, he was super nervous making this movie. And there were a lot of scenes where they had to do, like, 30 or 40 different takes because he was just screwing it up. Apparently, Jane Wyman never really complained about it. Like, she just kind of let it happen. And so later on... Years and years and years later, Rock Hudson ran into Jane Wyman, and, and he was like, you were so kind to me um, all those years ago. I thank you and love you for it, or whatever. So he was nervous as shit. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, he did a good job. He Yeah. Like, he, he did a fine job, although his kissing... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that oh. she was too happy about having to shoot those oh scenes 30 times. The, he did not know how to kiss women in this movie. And, you know, fair enough, Rock Hudson probably didn't kiss a lot of women. Well, uh, he probably had to. Well, yeah, I mean, he did then. He did end up marrying a woman for a few years. But it was, it, it not... was after this movie, I think. And right. it was um, kind of like there was, a, the, there was this paper that wanted to come out with this expose. Oh, really? And so I think part of it was related to that. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kissing a woman would not have been his first choice, necessarily. Yeah, but you would think he would have been able to, you know... <laughs> it's not like it's that different from kissing a man. No, it's, just, just like, it's so awkward. The first time he kissed a woman in the movie, I think he, like, put his hand across her eyes yeah. and, like, on her forehead and then, like, lunged at her mouth yeah. and, like, pushed her away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, the most ridiculous... And then, kiss I think I've ever seen. And then, like, when he, he and Helen are kissing later in the movie, he's, like, <laughs> yeah. kind of sucking on her eyebrow at one yeah. point. Like, he was totally sucking uh, on her like, eyebrow. Uh, that's 
not how that is supposed to be done. I'm pretty sure. Like... Oh, mm, I'm, I'm good kisser. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, I don't know why kissing you is so hairy. Yeah. Though. Mm, mm. Uh, so, E for effort. Yeah. Um, but A for entertainment. Yeah, yes. So, I think that's really all we had. Uh, the, the, one, the one thing was uh, the, the hit uh, segment that we... <laughs> hit segment <laughs> uh the hit segment that i'm forcing into as many episodes as i can until somebody tells me to stop uh well actually well actually um so this is the, the segment in case you haven't heard previous episodes right i make fun of something that somebody on imdb wrote uh so in the trivia section for uh for this movie somebody had written that uh at some point in the movie, the date on the hospital board changes from Monday, September 2nd to Tuesday, September 10th. And they say, this is interesting because actress Jane Wyman would pass away on Monday, September 10th. Well, actually, <laughs> that's not that interesting. Like, I mean, right. it's a coincidence, I guess, but uh, it's kind of stri- stretching the definition of yeah. what you can consider interesting. Yep. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go, and there you are. <laughs> stay, there you go, there you are. Stay, How you be? <laughs> stay tuned for next <laughs> next episode. Next installment of, of Will, actually, in the, the next episode. I'm sure everybody's looking forward to it oh. after that uh, that hot take. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that kind of wraps it up for, for this episode. Uh, I think yep. we have been seeing a shit ton of movies at the Seattle International Film Festival that's been going on for the last couple of weeks so we may try to do like a brief episode talking about the stuff that we've seen that we can talk about that we can talk about so yeah the the secret film festival they choose four movies we don't get to know what they are we just you, you buy a pass on every sunday morning you go and see whatever it is that they have picked and so we can't really talk about it to make us sign like an, an oath, a promise not to reveal the secrets, but nobody's listening to this. So I think <laughs> we, we can tell you that it's been like all four of the Critters movies, which is weird. Like the first Critters movie, like, oh, okay, that's an odd choice. And then the next week it was Critters 2 and you're like, okay, I think I'm seeing a trend here. And then the third movie was Critters 4. <laughs> yeah, so it makes it, it up. kind of weird. Yeah, but, you know. throwing off, us off a little bit. Because, yeah, I mean, that, that's good. It's messing with our expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, critters. Uh, okay. <laughs> As always, we would like to thank the Seattle band Boat for letting us use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boat. We would also like to encourage all of you to support your local independent video stores. Um, Scarecrow, if you're in the Seattle area. If you're not in the Seattle area, I'm sure you can find some lovely independent video stores nearby that you can help support. So please consider doing so. You can also find us on the Facebook and at our website, TerranAndrewVersus.com. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts and, and Google Play and all that stuff, so you can subscribe. Please please do so if you are so inclined. Um, and yeah. if, you, if you have any feedback you'd like to send us, our email address is TerranAndrewVersus at gmail.com. Versus is spelled out. I would also like to say, if you are enjoying our podcast, feel free to spread the word. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. So until next time, catch catch you later, later, potato potato heads. heads.